0: Welcome back to the Storytelling Breakdown Campaign Diaries. Sitting here in the home office, as it were, chatting about the Curse of Strat again. And this, we uh, we need to take a minute to point out the logos for our campaign diaries. Uh, in particular, the artwork done by Mr. Jeremy Stroop we have finally unveiled. And this is the first official episode with that logoing being out and in the public eye. Jeremy is a local artist. He's been on the show before. Mm-hmm. He and I sat down and talked about him coming up with his own version of Castle Ravenloft for our Curse of Strad campaign. Of course, he plays in the campaign, which was a lot of fun. I couldn't have asked for a better rendition. He wanted to take more traditional castle approach. We took we talked about the descriptions that were in the uh, I Strad Memoir of a Vampire that I that I read in preparation for the campaign. I also gave him a piece of music to listen to by Modest Mzorsky in his Pictures of. The exhibition which is a whole set of pieces that he wrote he's a russian composer mm-hmm. there is a uh, old castle piece of music i think all in all i mean jeremy's work's always just brilliant and he completely nailed it yeah uh,
1: that was the vibe you wanted to go for as opposed to something like let's say bloody tears and castle dracula and castle right <laughs> yeah
0: we talked a little bit about maybe uh going the castlevania route and i was like no i i try i'm trying to keep you know, as realistic as vampires and werewolves and D&D can be. uh, Trying to keep a little bit more of a of a traditional spin on not just Strad, but on the surroundings and on Barovia itself. And Castlevania, as much as I loved it, the, the visuals just, it wasn't going to work. Jeremy and I sat down and, and we worked on really looking at more traditional, real-life castles and what some of that architecture would look like. And then he lent his own very, very unique style to it. Uh, I think, of it, like, again, the, the end result is just absolutely astounding. So we're very, very happy to uh, to unveil that. Give him a big, big shout out. Uh, again, if you want, ever want to catch Jeremy and what he's working on, you can find him on Instagram at uh, Jeremy Stroop3. And that kind of keeps you up to date on his work. And it's it's always just loads of fun to watch and see. And then you can connect with him And if you decide you need your own because that's how we got ours. He <laughs> said, hey, do you want to do this?
1: And it has been a joy getting to know him throughout playing Curse of Strahd because he was the player at the table I had the least amount of experience with. Because obviously we played Fate yeah. with Austin, knew him and Catherine, knew Georgia. And so sitting down to play D&D with Jeremy was really my first time really getting to spend a lot of time with him. And it has been a blast. <laughs> yeah. And he's like that all the time, yeah. by the way. He's oh always word. just, yeah.
0: just so much fun to be around. And, of course, he's been a bartender at JK's for years. And that's how I really got to know him was working at J.K. O'Donnell's downtown. We're just very, very happy to have that. So, that aside...
1: When we last saw our when heroes. When we last
0: saw our heroes, uh, they had met with the Vistani chieftain. Madame Ava. Ava. Mm-hmm. Madame yeah. Ava. I want to say Zostra. And I'm like, that's that's House on the Hill, dude. Please <laughs> stop that. <laughs> Madame Zostra is the, the House on the Hill. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, One of the care- playable characters in House on the Hill. And uh, my wife loves that game and we were... Playing this past weekend, and so I'm like, that's still in my brain. We met with that Madame Ava. Madame Ava gave the party. Oh, there's the thunder. Ah, so that's the kind of ambiance we need. Madame Ava gave the party their prophecy and horses, and sent the party on their way to the village of Barovia. Um, the whole Curse of Strad takes place in the valley of Barovia, which is you know like not massive, but it encapsulates more towns than just Barovia, the village, right? So there's three villages and or, or small towns in the valley, as well as all of Castle Ravenloft, which is huge, mm-hmm. as well as several other major locations that the party may or may not get to, but including a full-size vineyard, the old ruined estate of a of a knightly order that the party hasn't actually come across yet, uh, Holt is the name of that place. And there's a whole amber temple up in the mountains. So there's a lot in Barovia, which is kind of like its own state. And then there is the village of Barovia, which is the first place the party goes once they're free of the Vistani. So I brought along my handy-dandy notebook. And by handy-dandy notebook, I mean the Curse of Strad module, because I don't take notes, I'm learning to regret more and more and more. One of the things that these this book does is it gives uh, descriptive language for when players arrive at places and some of it's actually quite well worded so the very first thing the players you're supposed to read to the players when you're the DM as they approach the village it says tall shapes loom out of the dense fog that surrounds everything the muddy ground underfoot gives way to slick wet cobblestones the tall shapes become recognizable as village dwellings the windows of each house stare out from the pools of blackness no sound cuts the silence except the mournful sobbing that echoes through the streets from a distance. Of course, it's all written to be as creepy as possible and my delivery's never been very good. But that's the very first thing that you give the yeah. players when they arrive at the village of Barovia.
1: And you give us such a wonderful taste of what we're about to experience there because so much that we run into in Curse of Strahd feels like it is coming out of the mist at you. So kind of describing it as these vague shapes that then take form and we realize, oh, okay, we have arrived.
0: One of the very first things the party did when they were given horses by Madame Ava is they immediately tried to ride past the village into the mist bank. Um, Austin attempted it like three times. Mm -hmm. And he would ride in a line towards the mist And eventually he'd come back at the party. And then he did it again... Right away in a straight line... Away from the party... And eventually he would find himself... Facing the party again. Uh, Which is all to prove a point of... Once you're in Barovia... You can't leave... Which I thought I'd made very clear, but...
1: I thought we all made the trip at least once. I think everyone made the trip yeah. once, and then
0: he did it a couple of times more.
1: And then it, after you've wasted an hour or two, it's like, okay, yeah, this is, yeah, we've got more important things to do. There's
0: more important things to do than uh, drive yourself insane. Because actually the mists have an ability where the more times you try to ride through them, you start taking psychic damage. And every time you go back into the mists after that, you take... More and more, psych. I think it starts at like two d six, and then it doubles every time after that.
1: And we're still only level three at this point, so yeah, that's, yeah So two d
0: six hurts a little. Four d six is going to hurt more. You'll either go completely insane or it will kill you. That's Barovia. So the the party arrived in the village of Barovia. Um, started making its way through the the streets. At this point in time, I had purchased the the big maps, the big vinyl finished maps mm-hmm. of of uh, that a companion accessory to the Curse of Strad so that the party could actually look at a large map of the, of the town as we were moving through it. And there's essentially one, two, three, four, five, six major locations in the village, one of which the party had already been to, which was the Death House, uh, and <laughs> is now just rubble because they succeeded the Death House well, not them. But we've done the Death House, we covered that. Mm-hmm. But then there's the only inn, the largest building in the town, is the Blood of the Vine Tavern. It's the largest building in the town. It's the only one that's really showing very many major signs of life. Uh, well lit, relatively well kept. And the party went there first, right? Because it's at the center crossroad of the village. Everything else kind of looks shuttered up. Barovia is a really weird place as a setting because there are only X number of people in Barovia who, according to the lore, have souls. And everybody else is like this weird shell of a human. They're still alive, but they don't have a soul. And that's why the entire place just feels dull and drab and lifeless is because they're not fully human. And it's because the whole of the land is in this weird pocket dimension controlled by the dark forces, which are the people that put Strad in this prison in the first place. The few members of Barovian society that do have souls, they're constantly reincarnated. So sometimes they have memory of their old life, sometimes they don't. That becomes very important to the party because when they go to the tavern, they meet multiple people in Barovia that all have souls. One of them is the Burgomaster, or the mayor of Barovia's son. So the party walks into the tavern, starts hanging out, kind of trying to get the local gossip, meets a few different characters, and Ismark, the son of the Burger Master, introduces himself because he recognizes these are new people. <laughs> and they're asking about trying to procure a map of Barovia. And that was really the biggest thing. Everybody seemed was hinging on, we need a map of the area so we know where to go and how to get started on this prophecy. And I can't remember who brought up the map idea in the first place. But since they were in a village, somebody said, well, somebody's got to have a store, so that means they have to have a map, right? And so Ismark says to the party, he says, well, my father had a map, an old good map. Maybe you can meet me at my father's mansion and you can help me and I'll give you the map. And the party says, I don't know, dude, you're kind of kind of fishy. Ismark is described as he's not a small man and he's not a creep by any means, but he is referred to as Ismark the lesser because he's not he's just not as good as his dad, which is kind of (laughs) crappy. But this that's that's Barovia. He's not as smart. He's not as charming. He's not as charismatic as his father, who is the burgomaster. Uh, he's kind of a pale imitation. So the party is kind of like, yeah, whatever, dude. And he says, well, you know, there is a there is a store still open in the village. Maybe, maybe he has a map for you. So the party immediately leaves the tavern and goes to that store and finds out that every single thing that can be bought in Barovia, a, is the most basic level available in D anD. D and it is told that it all costs double whatever it's normally listed as.
1: The missed markup.
0: Yeah, it's like it's the worst. <laughs> the missed markup. Very true. So they go to Bildrath's Mercantile. Sparse light from this building spills out from behind drawn heavy curtains. A sign over the door creaking on its hinges reads Buildrath's Mercantile. So in the book it says that only items with a price of lower than 25 gold pieces in the table are available for sale and Bildrath himself sells them for 10 times the price.
1: Oof.
0: So, so I think at one point you looked at me and asked about getting new daggers mm. while we were while the party was asking Bildrath about about a map. 2 gold for a for a basic dagger. And he sells them for 20 a piece. Yeah, I remember you tried to steal some, didn't you?
1: I think I thought about it. And again, we're third level and we just got here. So, Yeah, it, so
0: I think people yeah. talked you out of it. Because Bilgrath does have a uh, a lawful good male human called Periwimple. Mm-hmm. That is his security. And Periwimple is a gladiator. So maybe the whole party could have taken him on. But he would have he would have hurt. Yeah. He yeah. would have hurt.
1: Would have been a fight we didn't need. Yeah, exactly.
0: And then the whole village would have been pissed at you because that's the only open store in the whole town aside from the tavern and the church. The church is still standing. So the party quickly says, OK, Bill Drath is price gouging beyond all reason. I guess we'll have to go take Ismark up on his offer. So they they make their way to the Burgomaster's mansion. The nice thing about the village of Barovia is essentially it's a crossroads, and the entire bil- village is centered around. Well, the taverns in the middle, the churches at one end, uh, the north end, the burgomaster's mansions at the south end, and at the east and west end, it's the village that it's the road that runs east through east to west through the valley of Barovia. So all of the main buildings are are centered along that north south road. Uh, the party walked past Mad Mary's house which is where the screaming is coming from and never did a thing about it. And I was really sad. They walked past it the first time to get to the Burgomaster's mansion and they hear screaming from inside one of the houses along the road and nobody stopped. Nobody asked, Hey, what's that sound? Everybody just kind of went, well, nothing good happens in Barovia. Let's keep moving. They ended up walking past it like a total of four or five times and never once did my lawful good, predominantly party, stop to figure out why a woman was wailing her head off inside. And I'm still just moderately disappointed by that. It's not even like a good, well, it's kind of a cool story piece, but it's not even like an, a major story piece. It's not a, super important.
1: I feel like the party dynamics, at least early on, were kind of like, again, he's not getting paid. Jagger's going to have none of that the paladins might have been more interested in exploring it but I feel like especially early on Catherine and Georgia or Gertrude and Aaron were kind of the swing votes yeah. so if they were interested in pursuing it we probably would have if they weren't we probably would have left it alone
0: and I think that I do think that's exactly what happened I think it was a, more of a case of, of them not necessarily not being interested but of them being terrified of what bad thing was in the house. Yeah. Which that I can't, can't is, really yeah, blame understandable. them. Understandable. So they, they went to the burgomaster's mansion. Uh, and this is where I dropped the very first major plot arc on the party. Ismark opens the door. He brings them into his father's house and introduces them to his foster sister, Irina. And the party immediately gets a sense that Irina is more than she seems. Both Ismark and Arena look as though they are haggard, a little bit worn out, um, but grieving as well. And Ismark relates to the party that his father has actually died. Nobody in the village has been made aware of it yet because the devil Strad is trying to get Arena. And Ismark doesn't know why, but what they do know is that for the past three nights in a row... Strad in the form of a wolf and other creatures of the night have been circling the house and as the party made it their way up to the house they saw like a path worn in the ground around the outside of the house and wolf tracks and the, the gate was knocked off its hinges but Strad's never been invited into the house so he can't just come in because that is actually part of his stat he has to be invited in before he can come into a dwelling Nice little nod to original Dracula lore there. So Ismark says to the party, help me bury my father and I will give you my father's old maps so that you can be about your quest or or whatever it is you're doing and bring back the priest at the church. So take, take my father to the church, bury him, bring Father Donovan back to the house so he can bless the house to keep Strad out. Because Ismark is convinced that Father Donovan can make the house hallowed ground. And that way, even if Arena, who has been caught alone twice with Strad, gives into Strad's mind abilities. Because he's got that Dracula charm. That ability to just whammy somebody and make them do what he wants. Even if Strad can pull that off on Arena again. The house will be hallowed ground. He won't be able to set foot upon it. But they need the priest to come back to bolster those defenses. So the party negotiates for a while, argues back and forth. Well, do we need to do this? Do we not? Jagger, again, like you've said, kind of of the opinion. Well, I'm not getting paid. (laughs) Uh, So why? (laughs) Why would I bother? Mm -hmm. Uh, Eventually, Irina approaches the party and says, please, please do this. And I had her roll a, a charisma check for persuasion and... It was high, and the rest of the party kind of went, okay, I guess we can do this. So they they agreed to load the Burgomaster's body onto a cart, cart him from the Burgomaster's mansion all the way to the opposite end of town, to the church. And as they were going, night was falling. So it was about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. The sun is getting low, maybe not quite started to set yet. And this was another chance for me to try and poke you with the screaming woman in the house. I, I, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm so upset we didn't do anything about it. But at that point, the party definitely had a, a very clear mission. We need a map so we can find the locations of the prophet, prophecy. To get that map, we have to agree to bury the Burgomaster. So they were very focused. Okay, we bury the Burgomaster. We get our map. We get out of here. And that's when the party arrived at the church. And The party ended up spending the rest of the session at the church and part of the next session at the church. The church introduces us to Father Donovan. Father Donovan has been borderline driven mad. When the party arrives at the church, they realize that the church may still be standing, but the inside of it is in shambles. And it's pretty clear nobody goes to church anymore. Every major religious institution in Barovia is dedicated to the Morning Lord. Uh, in your campaign, Ben, that's Lithander. Mm-hmm. In Barovia, I think we've said before it's he's not ever named as Lithander, but since I did drop Bar- Barovia into the Sword Coast, it's kind of able to be assumed that this is a a form of worship that was de- devoted to Lithander. That because of the fact that Barovia is in its own little microcosm. And locked away from the rest of reality. Developed just into this is the deity of Barovia. And they recognize that there probably exists other deities. But this is the only one that's ever been worshipped. So this is just the morning lord. The church is is completely wrecked. When the party gets there. Father Donovan is praying in the sanctuary. But the pews are falling apart and busted the altar. And a stained glass window are all that's really not broken poorly lit and someone is crying on from the basement. So the party immediately is like, Ooh, what's going on? But instead of launching into action, they did agree to talk to father Donovan. Uh, At which point father Donovan says, Oh, you've brought the Baron, the burgomaster to me. Please help me bury him. Father Donovan has a rare lucid moment because he's, he's muttering to himself and he's trying to pray, but maybe not really. He's, constantly talking under his breath and, and very freaked out and, and just everything he says is all, all like this and, 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 and you know we really have to do all of these things and maybe I can't really do that and I can't leave the church and I have to lead the people and, and everything he does is that very quiet frantic energy of a man who's not all there anymore this is the vibe we walk into yeah, and that's the course. vibe the, the, the party walks into as well as someone screaming from the basement about how they're hungry father feed me I'm, I'm so hungry so they go out to the 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 church has a has a graveyard the party starts digging the grave they lay the baron the the burgomaster to rest start covering the grave and it's at this point the sun is truly starting to set and like last hints of day's light and the party meets Strad for the very first time because of the people who are in the party I don't get to run. Very long sessions, and and also because of my own brain capacity, I really only have about the energy to to do between two and a half to three and a half hours. So we don't cover a ton, and very often our sessions are role playing one session, combat another, and interspersed like that. So this session was completely role play, and the party did spend more time in the tavern before moving to the shop before moving to the burgomaster. That was some good RP starting to get into character but this was the first time that the party actually got to speak to Strad as their own characters and without Strad trying to kill them yet I had him appear at the top of the belfry and he calls down to the party and essentially tells them to mind their own business and piss off and one of Strad's abilities is he can cast charm person with a deception roll so the party starts speaking with Strad and Strad's going, you know, you are you are messing about in things of which you have no knowledge and it may become an inconvenience for me. You do not want to cause me inconvenience. You want to be my friends. Leave Irina Goliana alone. Be on your way. Maybe even join me at Castle Ravenloft for dinner. You're all welcome. But I warn you now, if you come between me and my beloved, I will kill you all. And in the course of saying all of this, he's able to cast charm person. I had all he disappears. And in the check that I had everybody roll for perception, they assumed they were rolling against a stealth for strad. They were actually rolling against was a wisdom save mm-hmm. for charm person. And one party member failed. And the way Strad's stat block is built, I can have, I can do this anytime he talks to the party without the party knowing that the check I told them to roll is not actually what they're rolling. It's written into a stat block. So right then and there, Catherine's character, Mother Gertrude, fell victim to charm person. And from there on out, up until... All the way, through to reaching the village of Kresk, she was charmed by Strad. So for it's going to be a few sessions sessions or more. Yeah, more. She was charmed the whole time, but I didn't get to do. I didn't get to capitalize on it as much as I would have liked. The party realized that Donovan. After speaking with Strad, the party realized that Father Donovan wasn't was no longer with them, and somebody pointed out, you know, that person in the basement that's screaming about being hungry is probably a vampire. At which point I'm pretty sure you said, we're going to have to kill this, aren't we? (laughs) That's essentially where we called it for that session. I mean, we didn't get any farther. There was some discussion about, okay, so what do we do about father Donovan? What do we do about his son? Are Mm -hmm. we going to have to kill father Donovan? Is he going to let us take care of this (laughs) problem in his basement or not? Yeah.
1: Jagger was alone in that camp, but expressing, the legitimate concern of okay if we're fighting a vampire everyone in the room needs to be on the same page so father donovan either needs to be okay with us killing this thing that's no longer his son or he needs to not be in the room
0: yeah that's always been that's been part of the probably part of the greatest role-playing all along the way is the fact that you've got lawful good lawful good lawful good wizard and then jagger (laughs) and the wizard being played of course by Georgia Aaron her character is very logical but also very uh, in the camp of I'm doing what I need to to survive and so I'm probably going to follow the lawful goods simply because they can take a bigger hit than I can and until I think they're going to do something really stupid it's safer for me just for me it's safer for me to just stand behind them mm-hmm. so Georgia tends to swing towards the lawful goods the paladins and the clerics because it it keeps her character alive. Whereas Jagger is pretty confident in his ability to survive. Regardless of what the Paladins think is the right thing to do. And so you get this, this very cool arguments that mm-hmm. come up. Internal conflict amongst the party members. That isn't going to get you guys killed yet. But that is always a lot of fun to just work through and sit at the table and let you guys work through.
1: I have one question. How soon did you tell Catherine that she had failed a charmed person save?
0: Not until we got to... tell Kresk when it was. Not until off. we got to Kresk where oh, Strad she... was able to use it against the party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She was charmed for a long time. It There were a couple of instances where I could have used it, like when you guys get to Volecki. There were a couple of moments where if the party had done something differently, the charmed person... Affecting Catherine would have become more important and would have been a way for me to essentially steer you guys away from things that would be counter to Strad, um, even though he was abed during that time. Hmm. His ability to do that essentially gives me an out as a DM to help steer the party in a way where, again, Strad is essentially my character at the table. So it gives me a chance to steer the party in a way that is beneficial for Strad that I wouldn't feel comfortable doing just as the DM, if that makes sense. Yeah, Um,
1: absolutely. Well, the other aspect of this, and I think I'm trying to think of which character. It had to be someone in the village of Brovia. It was just a matter of whether it was Ismark or Donovan or maybe even Irina told us we had a ticking clock to get to Krask. But Donovan, that, that comes later. That comes, comes later. Next session. Um,
0: yeah, we'll dive into that next session. But the, the, the person who kind of gives the party the idea that you've got X amount of time to get to Kresk is Father Donovan. Because mm-hmm. he does kind of come to eventually through the because of what the party does in the next session. He kind of comes back, gains a little bit of lucid, more lucidity. But it takes getting hit on the head pretty hard and a couple of other things <laughs> to to get that for him
1: and we're setting up for session 4 the first time that our party in any configuration has Fights battled a vampire, a vampire yeah.
0: yeah yeah it was it's a big one it was a big one well the vampire itself was a vampire spawn it's kind of a small fish compared to some of the other vampires that you guys can fight but it is the it, it was it is that is the next session is the very first time y'all go buffy on a on a fang look forward to that thank you for listening Please leave a review, give a rating, subscribe, and share with your friends from wherever you get your podcasts, especially if they play D&D. It all helps Storytelling Breakdown reach more people and grow our community. You can check out the SB blog and past episodes at our website, storytellingbreakdown.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram and reach out to our team at info at
1: storytelling-breakdown.com. Our theme music is by Kurt Remke. Our logo is by Daniel Church with Campaign Diary logos provided by Michael Ganser and Jeremy Stroop. Our podcast is hosted wherever you get your podcasts by John Dawkins and Wayne Shout Productions.
0: Everyone has a story. These are some of our favorites. And this has been a Storytelling Breakdown Campaign Diary.
1: Out Productions
0: Wayne Shout